Hi, I'm Case Lowe, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Dragon Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews, look no further than the leader in Dragon Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Super Jackass. I'm Joel. Joined by Table Donald. It is Sunday, 7th of May. This is episode 257. Uh, Damon, how are you? How's it all going? Oh, great. Uh, on the side of the world. Uh, the sun is shining. Uh, two beautiful, glorious days on the weekend. Uh, now I get to uh, spend some time with my good man, Joel, on the other side of the world, who might not be having the best day. <laughs> So I had been previously recording in my bedroom with the sleeping children, which is working quite well. But then recently, I don't know if it's proximity to the router, but the internet connection went all shit where there were like massive delays between me and Damon. And that got really frustrating. So now I've moved into the living room where I I literally I'm right (laughs) right next to the router. So I'm not taking any chances here. But um, my wife, despite being in her bedroom for the last 30 minutes decided to come out and do some very noisy washing up <laughs> literally as we were starting to record uh, which was uh, I, I know it's a sort of a super J-class tradition for her to sabotage our recordings but yeah, yeah. there we go a little blast from the past there you there. go that was right uh, got a little uh, got a little awkward for all parties but listen that's that's part of the price of doing the world's greatest New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. The one that... That's right. I, I may have wrecked my marriage. Right. And for that, listener, go to redtubble.com <laughs> forward slash super-j-cast and give some money for the divorce proceedings. <laughs> right. Or at least a trial separation. I mean, you know. Uh, <laughs> let's not jump into divorce. Uh, yes. Yes. I agree. Listen, the, it's the it's the price. It, the price? The price we pay? I just said the price. You get what I'm trying to say here. Uh, we're great. <laughs> That's all. That's all. That's all I'm trying to say. I've got a question for you, yes, Dan. Um, this is a question from Gig, who says, have either of you ever been horngry? Which, uh, of course, is an amalgamation of hungry and horny. So have you ever seen uh, some food that's so delicious, like maybe a, a yummy pizza that has actually caused you to get sexually excited? Mm. Uh... I had a steak that looked like a vagina before, but that's <laughs> very raw. Uh, uh, let me think. Food? Nah. I mean, I love food. Anybody can guess that. Uh, no, but being sexually attracted yes, to food is weird, sex. isn't it? That's only the sort of thing a fucking lunatic would say. <laughs> I, I'm gathering where you're you're steering the boat in a certain direction. I don't know. 
No, it was just an innocent question from all you, right. from our Discord. Uh, I can loyal listeners. Yeah, I I've never. Here's the thing, too. I don't think I've ever. Well, I have, but it's just it's, it's completely overrated. The idea of like food involved in your sexual activities. You know what I mean? Like the people who are like, oh, I'm gonna fucking get you know whipped cream and lick it off your tits. I know. Uh, no. Yeah. It's gross. I, It'd be really messy. You can make, make the bed all dirty. It's not only that, it's like, I don't know. I just, I don't like mixing food with, like, if I'm going to eat an ass, Joel, I just want pure ass. All right? <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want anything. <laughs> right, we definitely isolate that audio from the soundboard. <laughs> I want just the ass. I don't want any accoutrements. I don't want any uh, hollandaise sauce. Just want pure. I want tongue t- to anus. That's it. That's all I want. If I'm in the mood for it, it's like saying this, Joel. If we said that for years, Damon. I, I agree. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. If I'm in the mood for a steak, I'm going to have a steak. If I'm in the mood for some uh, drunken noodles, I will get that. If I'm in the mood for some ass, I just want some ass. <sighs> I felt good to get out of, out, out out in the open. <laughs> good, yeah. I know. I think it's about time we went back to the silly questions. Here's another yeah. one. Liam, who uh, is in, I think he's in Japan. Still he says uh, hi, lads. I think so. Yeah, right. or maybe I don't know. Anyway, he says hi, lads. A DDT found one a tapestry of Yuji Hino that he hung outside his house. My question for you: You must hang one tapestry of a New Japan worker outside your house. Who and where? Hmm. Uh, I would say. Uh... I mean, Liger, obviously, but like, I can't, he's not active. Um, active pro wrestler under the New Japan banner that would be hanging outside of my home. Uh, doesn't say active, it just says a New Japan worker. I mean, for me, it would be the recent image of uh, Tai Chi where it appears like he's naked, but for his KOPW. I think that's going to be a, a historic image that is going to endure long, <laughs> long in pro wrestling history. So I would hang that. This has got to be outside my house. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I think you know this nice little cottage I'm moving into in the middle of the English countryside. I think that would look really good. Yeah, or like Peter plastered over the front yeah, of like that. Peter, a butt shot of like Peter. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah, I'd probably go like a liger thing or something like that. Uh, just to you know, so I don't get get fucking completely thrown out of my neighborhood. Um, yeah, that or uh, Doc Gallows swinging his cock, his his belt as if it were a cock. Yeah, that that would be number two. Sure. Uh, let's do one more. No username says, given the recent release of the Bullet Club football shirt, can you please make your starting eleven? of New Japan wrestlers in a hypothetical football match. Oh. For example, Leo Rush as a tricky winger instantly came to mind. Or how about Mark Davis as a bruising defensive midfielder? Yeah. Uh, I will start off. I'll, I'll, I'll have Hikuleo as the goalkeeper. Mm. That seems like a no-brainer for me. Okay. Seven foot tall. Yeah, sure. Okay. Who else? Oh, do I, we're going back and forth? Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> I did the goal tender. to okay. do the whole thing myself. Okay, you did the goaltender. Um, I would say, yeah, defense, you need some, 
You need here's what you need though. You need some speed and you need some brawn and you need uh the ability to make smart decisions, smart plays, right? Um there's no one on the New Japan Pro Rose who <laughs> fits those categories. All right, I, I've got I've got another yeah. one. Um I, I have Minoru Suzuki as the psychotic, violent left. Yeah, he's the guy in the sort of Stuart Pierce. Yeah, school. he's the guy that's gonna yeah, yeah, he's the intimidation. Um, I would say, uh, give me, well, is he a full-time New Japan guy? I would say, give me, um, Lance Archer back there, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Good All show. Right. So we've got Lance Archer at center back, Suzuki left back. Uh, let's have Kevin Knight at right okay. back, making the overlapping runs down the wing to provide dangerous crosses into the box. I like that. I like that. Um, how about up front? Up front, we need some. We need speed. We need skill. Correct. Well, for skill, who better than Zack Sabre Junior? He's got he's got the height. Yeah. He can win balls in the air. Maybe not the most physically intimidating, but I think he's got enough of the attackers to give defenders fits. Yeah. So let's have Zach up front. Okay, I like that. How about uh, Robbie Eagles up front? Height, height, an issue? No, Eagles. Are, I, yeah, I think I would have him more of a sort of a playmaker, a number eight who sort of, or, or yeah, he's he's the creative midfielder pulling all the strings gotcha. just behind the strikers. Okay, I like that. Um, what about Doki as like a sort of tough tackling, sort of Rottweiler in the central midfield, mm-hmm. snapping at people's heels? Yeah, I think that's yeah, yeah, taking out a shin or two. I like that. I do like that. Um, El Fantasmo ELP is like a flashy winger with all his tricks and stepovers and flicks and stuff. You can imagine him doing that. <laughs> okay. How about Will? How about Will Osprey? Yeah, I've forgotten about Will. He would be sort of like your Erling Haaland, sort of freakish, freakishly athletic, talented striker as well. So maybe we're going Osprey and Zaka. There front. you go. Yeah, there we go. So, so, so what you're telling me is is that we have Team England. Up front. <laughs> <laughs> no, too many English players. This team's going to. I know crap. it's going to suck. <laughs> We're never going to win anything. It's never coming home. All right. Um, yeah, and then uh, I guess. Uh, uh, I don't know. Who else can? We, who do you think can play the footy? Uh, uh, I'm just kind of scrolling through the roster page. Jeff Cobb. It's too yeah, big no. to not put in the team. He's, we've got to get him in there somewhere. I don't even think he knows what a soccer ball is, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm going to be truthful. I doubt he's even seen one. Uh, mm, yeah, I mean, who else? Can we put show in there? Can we have show as like a just sort of shithouser to sort of wind up yeah. opposition players and get them booked and sent yep. off? Yeah, I like that. I like that one. Um, yeah, that's about it. All right. Yeah, I think we've got a full team Good. there. I wasn't counting. Yeah, but in the media. Well done. Well done, us. You know <laughs> what? We should we should we should probably do a soccer podcast, a football cup. Yeah, we should do it every every yeah. every Sunday, and we can be like, "Hey, how's Arsenal doing? Not good. All right." <laughs> they- yeah. Well, luckily we are recording. Arsenal are not due to kick off for another hour and twenty okay. minutes, uh, and we're away at Newcastle, which we're almost certainly going to lose. Really? So, um. Yeah, you will be spared me uh, moaning about it during the Oh, morning. my Lord. Well, the Leafs uh, played this afternoon as well. Uh, 
Uh, they are down two games to none. They lost both games at home, Joel. <laughs> How do you do that? Oh, that's a shame because last time we spoke, it sounded like they're doing quite well. Have they got all shit again? Oh, well, yeah, because you know they're on through the second round, and now they play Florida, Florida Panthers, which I, a team that I like. I like them a lot, uh, but now I hate them because they're playing the Leafs. Um, yep, so you hit the reset button, and it's best of seven once again. And, yeah, we're down 2 nothing. We had two games at home, and we shat all over ourselves like we like to do. But here's the thing, too, though. Like, going down to Florida is hilarious because it's you, you get more – away team fans than the home team fans, right? <laughs> like, you're in Miami. Why the fuck would you sit inside of a cold <laughs> ice hockey arena? Um, so there's a ton of Leafs fans uh, that, you know, like snowbirds, they go down to Florida. Uh, and it's going to be it's gonna be packed with the Leafs fans. And to the tune of the... The, the the team set out a uh, rule that they were not going to sell tickets to Canadian addresses. So if you were Canadian, you are not getting a ticket. <laughs> so all you see are people just scheming ways <laughs> to get to uh, uh, tickets and, and get in the building. So, uh, it'll be packed with Leafs fans and, and we do usually do well there. So, um, fingers crossed. We need, we need, we need two. we need two. So let's see what happens. Yes. Hopefully you have more success than Arsenal have had, uh, in recent weeks. Um, let's move on to talk about Shinihon Pro Wrestling. Ah. Just a little bit of news here. We have the card released for the Resurgence show in California, the Long Beach Water Pyramid. So we will give you a, a more detailed preview close to the time, but I'll just read the card for you and get your immediate reaction to that. So we've got a couple of kickoff matches, Alex Coglin against Christopher Daniels and the DKC against Bateman. Then we have opening the card is the Strong Women's Championship Tournament first round where we've got Mercedes Monet against Stephanie Vacker. I'm sorry if I've pronounced that incorrectly. Then the second semi-final, which is Momo Kogo against Willow Nightingale. Then we've got Badu Tito and Zack Sabre Jr. against Barbaro Cabanario and Virus. We have a street fight between Fred Rosser and Juice Robinson. Okay, terrific. Strong Openweight Championship. <laughs> <laughs> strong Openweight Championship rematch with Hikolo defending against Kenta. And we have Rocky, Ishii, and Okada against Wheeler Yuta, John Moxley, and Shota Umino. Then we have the United States Championship number one contenders tournament semifinal with Hiroshi Tanahashi against Will Ospreay. So the winner of that will go on to face Lance Archer at Dominion. And the main event will be the NJPW Strong Women's Championship tournament final, which will probably be, well, it's definitely going to be Mercedes Monet against either uh, Momo Kogo or Willow Nightingale. So what do you think of that card? Um, you know what? I, I, you know, my first impression was to just fucking hand wave. It's actually not that bad. Um, and it's uh, pretty good, don't you think? It's not bad. I would give it like a like a six or a seven. Right? Am I out of my mind? Yeah, I think. No, no, I think. I mean, for me, the big attraction is. Osprey's comeback match. Right. 
And Osprey versus Tanahashi, I think, will be a, a tremendous match. Um, I'm just curious about the positioning and, and having this uh, strong women's championship final as the main event. So you can't argue with putting Mercedes Monet in the main event, but she's going to be wrestling against someone with very little name recognition, especially as far as a New Japan audience goes. I mean, I suppose if it's Willow Nightingale, then AEW watchers would be familiar with who she is. I'm not. I've not seen any of her work. I've I've heard she's good, so I'm sure the match will be very good. But uh, it's just uh, I'm not not criticising it because I'm frightened of the um, Mercedes Monet fans and don't want them to attack (laughs) me. Curious that they've decided to main event that over... Tanahashi Osprey. If this is actually the correct match order, yeah. I look. I'm going to be truthful. I don't necessarily have any problem with it, um, especially on these U.S. shows. I mean, that's the reason why you're you're paying big bucks, big bucks for Monet. Pardon the pun. Um, is for situations like this. So. Hopefully it's a it's a needle mover. Do we have any idea what kind of uh, gate we're looking at? What kind of uh, are we looking at a, a, a something that will be all in at Wembley? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I see. Unlikely. I can ask on the Discord. I don't know uh, how are tickets doing for resurgence, yes. and hopefully we'll have some news back for you later on the podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, the but it's not a bad show. I mean, seriously, you're to get a singles match between Will Ospreay and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, I mean, again, th- those singles matches don't necessarily grow on trees. Uh, uh, you know, that's special. I think that's a that's a that's a treat for everyone. That uh, multi man tag with Moxley and. Um, uh, what Wheeler Utah and who are they going against? So that is against Rocky Ishii and Okada. So, of course, that's two thirds of the current Never Six Man champions. But the the other third of that is taking part in the U.S. Championship number one contenders. Correct, correct. Man, Rocky Romero sliding in those U.S. shows like like no one's fucking business. <laughs> He's the new delirious. <laughs> <laughs> he finds a way to get on that fucking show main event. Good for him. You know what? He's earned that. He's earned that right. He's earned the right to fucking just hop right on in the main event. Yep. Yeah. He's paid his dues. Yeah. Creative control. Yes. You do it, Rocky. Go, Go dusty it. on us. Go ahead. Go dusty roads on us. All right. All right. Uh, not bad. What else we got here? Well, let's go straight to Don Taku then. So we had wrestling Don Taku from Fukuoka, the Fukuoka Convention Center. So it was a, a announced sellout of 4,489. So this is lower than it usually is for that venue, but apparently it was because of a, a stage and entrance setup, which was due to the stardom show the following day. Um, so either way, I mean, it's a sellout, so... Shinohon is back. The battle is over. We have won. Well done. <laughs> so, excellent. You know, that's just proof if proof were needed that um, Sonata is a, a top main main event level drawer and is going to be raking in the cash for New Japan with his glorious championship reign. Um, the first match here, so this is something that we have discussed in depth. The kickoff match, the five-minute time limit 
gauntlet thing, the Young Line consecutive battle match for the chance at the NJPW World TV title and winning money for Yaki Niku. Mm-hmm. So this was Yohei Oiwa, and he needed to beat Oleg Bolton and Oscar Loiba and Yuto Nakashima in three five-minute matches in order to, to get all those mm-hmm. things. Not only, Damon, did they not broadcast this match on New Japan World, this was only for Japanese viewers, uh, but Oiwa drew in a five, at a five-minute time limit draw with Nakashima, then a five-minute time limit draw with Bolton, and then lost to Oscar Loiba in two minutes, 33 seconds via Boston Aww. track. So he had zero wins, <laughs> one loss, and two draws. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> What's the point of that? You know what? That was the point of it. You know what? That's that's ballsy. You know, that's I actually applaud New Japan for that. Because, A, it makes perfect sense, right? I mean, the guy just fucking fought two different guys who are fresh as, you know, a daisy. Uh, drew and then lost to the freshest guy of them all, right? I I have no problem with the results. And in fact, I applaud it because the usual, you know, would be, uh, okay, he pins the first guy. Uh, he squeaks by the second guy. And then the third guy comes in all fresh and just pounds the fuck out of him. And then he finds a way, slip on a banana. He gets the three and everybody goes home eating fucking delicious meats and a smile on their face. Uh, they didn't do that. <laughs> they did the absolute opposite, which, trust me, I think that's, A, it's ballsy, and B, it's the right thing to do. I've, I I applaud them to have the guts to do that. I really do. I, I think he, they could have done the easiest thing, but uh, they didn't. They did the hard thing. So I'm going to leave you with that thought and this piece of advice. This man got the fucking balls. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be hearing that a lot today. I made that one uh, early this afternoon. Um, I mean, I don't disagree with anything you said there, David, but they could have at least put it on New Japan well, yes. World. It would have been nice to, to actually see this play out with my eyes. But it, there you go. You can't have everything as a New Japan fan. Uh, let's move on to the first match that we were actually able to watch, which was... Yo, Toriyano, Yoshihashi, and Hiroki Goto defeating Dick Togo show you drone evil. So Yoshihashi pinned Dick Togo after 3 minutes 37 seconds with a Shoto. Uh, not really much to say here apart from the fact that House of Torture officially insert themselves into the tag title match at Dominion, which is now a three-way match between Aussie Open, Bishamon, and House of Torture. Uh, and also a little caveat here, Evil has a new t-shirt that proclaims him the real world heavyweight champion, oh. which... Uh, we should all be very scared yes. about. But um, three minutes. Yeah, I mean they've managed to to ruin that uh, the, the tag title match. Yeah. So yeah, they. I mean functionally they did the same thing last year, didn't they? Where they had um, who was it? It was Khan and Cobb versus Bishamon, and then Chase and Farley were inserted into the match, yeah. and they won the titles, the tag titles, which I think was to sort of get people remembering, oh, yeah, remember Chase and Farley. They're, <laughs> the they're actual wrestlers. <laughs> they're actually New Japan wrestlers. And gave them the sort of reasoning to put them into the G1 climax. So I'm slightly terrified that they might do the same thing here. And, of course, we're not going to do our full preview of Dominion here. But, um, yeah, be be warned. Yeah. This could well be a, a guerrilla tactics vehicle to have <laughs> Ujiro back in the, the handwriting is on the wall. 
Oh, <laughs> the handwriting is on the wall. Uh, I guess I'm uh, like three minutes. Uh, they proved what you can do in three minutes. But imagine being a guy like Show or even Yo, and or you know, fuck it, even like Yoshihashi. Three minutes you got. <laughs> you got three minutes, uh, and getting paid to do it. I mean, I don't, I can't think of a better deal, right? You're in an eight-man tag match. So even under normal circumstances, you're probably doing less than you would. Not probably. You are doing less than you would in a singles match if you were booked that night, right? Uh, you're in an eight-man tag. So so you've got a million other guys willing to do the hard stuff, so to speak. But the hard stuff is only lasting three minutes. Kind of like my sex life. <laughs> um, three minutes. So there you go. Love it. Good, good job. Good, good work if you can get it. I was, I was going to do the sex joke as well, but you, you beat me to it there. So the, the, the hive minds of the Super J cast. Uh, so that kind of bled into the second match, which was Great O'Connor, Kyle Fletcher, and Mark Davis defeating Kose Fujita, Shane Haste, and Mikey Nichols. Five minutes, 28 seconds. A Great O'Conn uh, defeated Fujita with the Subaru Uzora styled sheep killer slash Luna. And... Yeah, again, not a huge amount to say about this one, although it was notable for Great Ocon picking up a win. I'm not sure if he's being heated up for something in particular, but it does feel, with all these young lines returning and being given storylines, of course, we've got a lot of stuff going on with Shota and Ren Narita and Yota Suji. Great Ocon feels a bit lost, lost in the shuffle, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen him challenge for any type of title or uh, or at least it feels that way. I, I couldn't tell you the fucking last time he, he would challenge for a title. Um, and, you know, he's kind of lumbering around in tags. And, yeah, it does, it does feel like he's a little bit lost in the shuffle. Maybe he was getting a little bit of a big head with his, uh, with his good deeds. Right? Maybe the locker room was kind of like, ah, fuck it. I got to hear this story again. We get it. We get it. You saved her. <laughs> and the fact that he's constantly tweeting about um, <laughs> having sex with sex yeah. workers maybe that's something that the company Frowning is like on. Mm. <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't, who knows uh, it could be anything again pro wrestling is a weird weird business but yes it's uh, it is discouraging and, and I get- I've just remembered Peter and Yujiro Takahashi's uh, gimmick. So actually, I, I take back what I said before. I'm sure the company takes this <laughs> Family friendly programming uh, is what New Japan Pro Wrestling is all about. Okay, so our third match was Kevin Knight, Kushida, and Shota Umino defeating Francesco Akira, TJP, and Aaron Hanare. So Kushida pinned TJP in six minutes twenty eight seconds with the perfect small package hold. So I suppose this was notable for the new tag champion getting a pin over the former tag champion, which to me sort of signifies that they're moving away from that feud. Although I wouldn't rule out the possibility of Catch 2-2 somehow getting into the mix. Like, I don't know if they're they're going to defend the junior tag titles at Dominion. They probably should. They probably will. I mean, that's a, a really good championship to be opening a show like Dominion with. And I've said before that I think... Clark Connors and Taiji Shimori would be good challenges for that. But um, what say you to some sort of three-way junior tag title match that also involves the former champs catch do too? Or do you think we're sort of moving away from them? Um, 
I I I kind of feel like we're moving away from it. And I mean, I would be happy either way because I think Catch Two Twos has put so much energy and life back into those titles. Um, and that's not to say that I don't like Jet Setters. I, I definitely do. I like them as a tag team a lot, actually. Um, and and if they did decide to go back and find a way to get that rematch or whatever the case may be, I would have zero problems with. But yeah, to me, it like it did feel like it was that was like the exclamation point at the, to kind of put that one to bed, and we'll figure out what what else we're going to do with if Catch Choo Choo will even be a thing moving forward. Um, we'll see. But yeah, it, uh, it did feel like that, definitely. And the fourth match was Doki, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Taichi defeating Bushi, Shingo Takagi, and Tetsuya Naito. Taichi pinned Bushi after 7 minutes, 17 seconds, following the Seite Jujuro. My takeaway from this is thinking about Taichi as our new KOPW champ, and when... And against whom will he be next defending that title? Because there's a lot going on at Dominion. There will probably be a lot of championships on the line. And I don't know if they will put KOPW in the mix as well. I think they could. I think they should. I would like to see it. But uh, there's no, there's not really a clear next challenger for Taichi. I mean, if we're assuming this just five guys and LIJ feud is going to continue, then it would stand to reason that it would be an LIJ challenger for Taichi's KOPW title. Do you think that's something that Tetsuya Naito mm-hmm. might do? Because he's, you know, he's definitely being downcycled at the moment. That's not me saying that, you know, he's cooked and is never going to be the main eventer again because like these things go in cycles, don't they? And I think it's notable that Naito and Bushi are apparently going to be working the next All Japan Pro Wrestling Tour because there's not a space for them to be working on the... Oh no, Bushi, he's going to be in Best of the Super Juniors. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. But yeah, Naito apparently is going to be doing some stuff with All Japan. So yeah, um, a few question marks then about who the next challenger could be for Taichi. Do you have any strong thoughts on that? Um, I don't, but um, I guess looking at it, if in fact we are doing a Just Five Guys and Los Ingobernables, uh I mean, there's nobody else, right? It's not going to be Shingo again, is it? I can't imagine that. Maybe. But, yeah, I mean, that would just be rehashing the same old, same old. So it feels like Naito is the guy. That's That That would be it. Um, and if he is going to all Japan, I mean, again, not going, you know, you know what I mean, just doing a little one, two shows, whatever the case may be. Um it might make sense to have him in a, in a program like this, but then I don't, I kind of don't want to discredit the program, but it is KOPW. And as much as we've enjoyed recent months of it, it's still what it is. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, unless something, excuse me, drastically happens where there's a, there's a new face looking to, uh, challenge. Yeah. I think Naito is the guy, right? Uh, I suppose it could be Bushi, no. but um, yeah. <laughs> no thanks, no thanks. We're good because um, he's going to be in the best of the super. Yeah, he's going to be preoccupied. Big Bushi. Yeah. Uh, so then we had the 
cards announced for Best of the Super Juniors. We will talk Best of the Super Juniors later in the show, but let's move straight on to the fifth match, which was the strong openweight championship match with the challenger Hikuleo defeating the champion, Kenta, in 9 minutes and 45 seconds with his chokeslam, which he calls Godsend. So Hikuleo becomes the new strong openweight champion. And yeah, I'm happy about this, Damon. I'm glad we're following up on the, the big win he got over Jay White and giving him a bit of a sustained push. And he's quite he's quite an unusual wrestler, Hikolo, because obviously he's huge and he wrestles like a monster. I mean, for the most part, right. But he's nearly always the baby face in peril. All the matches he's had against guys like Kenta or or Jay White or even the Carl Anderson match, he's, you know, had his knee attacked and he's been working from the bottom. He's also very chill in his promos. He seems like quite a cool, laid-back guy. Now, is that an issue? I don't know. I mean, it might be for the foreign fans. The Japan crowd seemed to like him. He got really good reactions here. I would like to see some variety in the match layout. And and I think his ring work has improved a lot in recent years. He's a lot smoother. And there's a real sense of impact to his offense. His big spots of pace well. He shows, I think he shows the requisite fire in the ring when he's, you know, getting fired up in the closing stretch. So... He's, you know, he's showing that fire in the ring, if not on his mic work. And, he, you know, he's no Lance Archer, yeah. right? And that's not a criticism. He doesn't have to be, right? He should be his own man rather than having people like us projecting onto him how, you know, we think a tall wrestler should behave. And look, I like him. I like Hikolo. I think he's quietly having a decent year. I would love to see him get a spot in the G1 to see him mix it up with some of the more established domestic talent. So, uh, yeah, what did you think of the match? I thought the match was okay. I thought it was fine. Um Here's here's what I th- I see in Hikaleo. Uh Yes, uh, obviously he's he is a monster of a man. He is he's like if you've never seen him live, like I don't think TV does a a accurate portrayal uh, over just how like awesome he looks. <laughs> like he's just a big fucking dude. Um, and I don't mean that in like a like a fucking Vader kind of way. I mean that in a like he's lean yet muscular yet tall like you know he's you know he's he's a monster um and i think i think we're not going to see like traditional and i put that in air quotes monster pro wrestler at a hikaleo like you're not going to see uh you know big john stuff <laughs> you know you're not going to see uh you know what maybe we figure um, a, a super heavyweight monster type wrestler is? I think I think those days are gone. Now I will say this: that I would love to see even more power stuff and monster stuff from Hikaleo, only because I just think it may like who else on that roster is that guy? You know, Fale. I mean, when do you see Fale? Fucking two times a year, if that, at this point. Um, like, to me, he's he is the, the guy who's going to carry that torch. So that separates him. That kind of makes him different. It makes him special. And I think they, they can start to treat him like that. I, and, and the more that they do that, the better. Um, I I still think he needs the right kind of wrestler like he needs somebody with experience and like he's not going to be the one guy to carry a match 
Um, and then two, I would love to see more power spots, more big man spots, more whatever spots, just to kind of, you know, separate him from the pack. Like, I don't want him doing fuck. And again, not that I've seen it. I don't want to, you know, him to do a fucking moonsault or a fucking drop kick off the top rope. Like, like you know, do monster shit because you're already pre-built for that. Uh, and, and again, it, it kind of separates him from all the other guys in, in the, on the roster. Like, be be that special guy um, and wrestle like it. That that's my only thing. It's my only thing with him. But the match was fine. Well, what on Kenta here? Uh, he had a really good promo afterwards where he was blaming his long hair for the loss, saying he was getting in his eyes and asked the the cameraman if he could have a rematch after cutting his hair. And the cameraman nodded, and then he was like, "Who are you? You don't have any authority to make the match," which was very funny. His promos are always a a highlight of all the backstage stuff. So the rematch is set for resurgence. But uh, Cactus writes in and says, has Kenta officially progressed to New Japan dad status? Can we expect him to win the NOAA or All Japan World Championships <laughs> next? So where do you see Kenta's future in the company? Um, I mean, look, he's... Is he dad status? Mm, no, but he's, he's, he's on that road, right? We, I mean, I think everybody can agree with that. It's You can't expect him to be fucking... 2002 Kenta and yeah I mean like a dad status I don't know if I'm ready to to put him in in that bucket but yeah I mean it's Kenta what are you gonna <laughs> you know the the mileage that he has uh accumulated over the years is you know probably catching up um and yeah, I mean that's. A, I mean, what what else is there to say? What what else is there to say about poor Kenta and uh, his uh, rapid decline? He should be the next Yano. He can do the short five minute comedy matches because he's a very very funny man. Um, I think that would just help him with the old wear and tear on the body. So there's there's my hot take for Kenta. I mean, I like. I was going to talk about G one. Like, do you put Kenta in the G one? It depends if we're going back to a twenty man G one or if we're going to go with something enormous like a, I don't know, something uh, 32-man G1. If it's a big G1, then fuck it, why not stick him in there? But if it's 20-man, then we might want to sit this one out. But uh, we'll have to wait and see for that. But um, let's move on to the sixth match, which was the NJPW World TV Championship. So we had the champion, Zack Sabre Jr., with his, uh, on his sixth defense, going to a time limit draw against the challenger Jeff Cobb. 15 minute timeout draw. So Zach successfully retains the TV championship. And I suppose we can't really discuss this match without first addressing Shane Haste's pre match promo where he's trying to do an impression <laughs> of Zach, but it sounded like a drunk Mancunian. Look, I, I just love the chemistry between TMDK. They're so fun to watch when they're together. And I've talked about it before, but Shane Haste has added a lot of charisma and humor to that dynamic. So just really glad that he's around in New Japan. Um, I just really like the bit when he was, uh, Zach was like, I wasn't going to kill him. It's a championship match. I was going to beat him with my technical skills. So uh, I was hooting and hollering for that. But um, yeah, I mean, this match was great. I, Jeff Cobb has been a bit of a forgotten man lately. So it's good to see him being featured again because he was fantastic during the pandemic and he held the fort, so to speak. So I think he deserves to have something to do now that we've got proper crowds back. And, Again, we had a set stable mates ringside with United Empire and TMDK, so that's always good and adds to the drama of the match and gives it that 
that you know the team sports feel and no clear face or heel here this is sort of emblematic of the more fluid dynamics in new japan matches these days where there there isn't often a you know narrative good guy or a bad guy it's that sort of combat sports team sports vibe where you cheer the guys that you like and i mean the match was tremendous i like the opening grappling exchanges they're really fun with zach trying and, and failing to lift Cobb up and doing his back end. Just a really absorbing mix of styles all around that I thought complemented each other really well with Cobb's big power moves and Zach's submission reversals, like the bit at the end with the tour of the islands reversed into the inside cradle. Crowd were really loud for that one. And they just did a really good job presenting these two guys, like two very different wrestlers as equals who pushed each other to a higher gear. And the last two minutes in particular were fantastic with all the back and forth. So many tasty little near falls i was eating them all up and we finally got a time limit draw for the tv title and i think they picked the perfect contest to do it because i mean to me it makes sense that zach would put away guys like ren or ishii clark connors blake christian shota tom lawler within that 15 minute time limit but he met his match here with a high level wrestler in the form of jeff cobb and all those wins that i just mentioned made this time limit draw feel very dramatic so I think this was my favourite match of the night. And Zach is low-key putting together a sneaky little New Japan Wrestler of the Year case here. I think he's been great as the flag bearer for this title. And they're going to have the rematch at Dominion. And, and I said before, there's no bad option here. I'd be equally happy Zach winning it and or Jeff Cobb winning it and doing something a bit different with the, the style of the matches. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we do see a title change there. Um, the These two guys complement each other, I think so well and, and i think you hit the nail right on the head um when you say like it's it's a it's a it's a clash of styles that <laughs> styles clash <laughs> um that that works really well it's it's the peanut butter in your chocolate you know it's it's a it's it's a it's a combination that you would think <clears throat> okay how are they going to make that work because it is such a difference but Yet, yet they do creative spots, fun spots, and you're right. the The idea of this being a 15 minute sprint for whoever is going to challenge for this title, uh, I think it's interesting to, to that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think 15 minutes, like if if this weren't like a TV title match, you would think going into it, okay, this is at least a 20 minute match, right? Or it, let's put it this way. I'm taking the over on 15 minutes, right? Um, and the fact that they went the time limit draw makes perfect sense to me. Um, now, again, somebody could sit there and think, okay, well, for 15 minutes, they're just going to fucking, they could just stall, but they don't. You know, they, they go balls to the wall and they're creative and they're fun. Yeah, Zach, Zach to me, is one of the most, I'll say, underrated as well as important pro wrestlers New Japan Pro Wrestling has. Like, there is, I, you know, I, I talked about Hikaleo being different and standing out. And like, he, like, Zach does the same thing, but in his own style, in his own method. Like, he stands out. Um, and that's, to me, I, I do love that about pro wrestling. Like, that's one of my favorite things about pro wrestling. And this match kind of played that tune with Zach 
and and Cobb being the just this fucking brick wall. Um, yeah, I mean, this I I dig these kind of matches. I love these matches where there's such a difference of styles, uh, and especially when these guys mesh so well and are able to put on something like they did here. So, yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised though with the rematch that Kyle gets that title. I would not be surprised. Okay, let's move to the seventh match, which was the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championship match, where the champions, Strong Style, Ren Narita, El Desperado, and Minoru Suzuki were defeated by the challengers, Kazuchika Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. So Okada what pinned Ren. <laughs> I know, right? It, this is crazy. Uh, 19 minutes, 36 seconds, Okada pinned Narita after the Rainmaker. And I thought they did a, a good job here of making... Ren and Okada, the focal point of this match, because Ren had felt a little bit directionless recently, despite being a champion. But I think being placed opposite this uh, black trunks, Okada has injected a bit of spice into him. I mean, not literally, that would be very painful, but uh, I thought the match was well structured in the way that it played off of uh, the other rivalries as well, like Tanahashi and Suzuki, which has over a decade of history behind it. And the recent Ishii Despi feud. So it was really well built, well executed in a way that gave all the pairings a hook. Um, I think it's quite interesting that Despi keeps getting positioned against heavyweights. I think it's something to keep an eye on moving forward. I'm not saying he's definitely moving out of the junior division, but it, it's something that's I'm, I'm, I'm raising an eyebrow towards that. But um, I mean, the match itself, this is, I thought, a really good match. Uh, almost certainly the peak of, uh, of prestige for these Never Six Man titles. Like having... First of all, you know, the seventh match on... I mean, not like Don Taku is a massive show or anything, but this is probably the most prominently it's ever been featured in in a show of this level. And, um, you know, having the top star of your company in Okada holding your six-man titles takes takes some fucking bars. Hit the soundboard. Yeah, I'll, I'll, wait, <laughs> you need it? You need it? I can, I, can get, I can get you. I can get there. Ready? Here you go. This man got the fucking balls. There you go. Fantastic. And I said it last week, this is a team of champions that on paper, I think has a lot of appeal for a Western audience. I wouldn't be shocked if we see them defending those titles abroad. But either way, I mean, I I was pretty shocked that they've (laughs) belted Okada up with the six-man titles. I still can't get over it because I was sort of hand-waving this possibility last week because I was just just laughing, just balking at the idea of Okada being a six-man champion. But here we are. Here we are. Times are changing. I don't know. I don't know if you can feel it. I don't know if everybody else can feel it, but I certainly can feel it. Times are a changing. Um, and I think this is proof of concept. It's, you know, we're, we're, we're giving them these titles and it almost feels like we're giving them these titles so that we can kind of give them. And I put in air quotes, something to do, other than being the main focal point of New Japan Pro Wrestling, right? Um, and that's the first time in a long time that we're saying that about two guys that have carried this promotion and carried it. They were the top of the promotion for, wow. I mean, for a lot of people, it's the only thing they know. Um, I am so excited at the prospect of this being very similar, very similar to that of the 80s, 
where you had guys and some guys were getting the push a little bit harder out of the gates. Some took a little bit of time, took a little bit of whatever. But, you know, this feels to me very much like 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 early Muda and uh, and uh, early, you know, Kishi Yamada and early uh, Chono. And early Hashimoto. Like, it feels that way. I'm not saying this is going to be that. I'm saying, like, this is this is the the course that, that this company is on right now. Where, you know, the Choshus and the, you know, uh, I mean, who else are we going to put? Anoki, to a certain degree. And, and Fujinami. And all those guys who have been on top for the longest time, you know, might be kind of settling back at least with the spotlight a little bit. So it's exciting. I'm not saying I know if it's going to work. I'm not saying that these guys are comparable to the people that I just mentioned, but it does from a, from a person who remembers it, from a person who lived it, it does feel similar to me and trust me if it's even you know half of what we had in you know late 80s early 90s it's 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 going to be exciting new japan's going to be exciting down the road five years from now um but this is where it starts it start you know it starts in that 87 88 89 you know that's that's when this all kind of got bubbling. So it's 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 it feels the same, Joel. So if if there's any uh, comfort in uh, knowing that some guys might be uh, the spotlight might not be as bright, uh, this is this is what you have to look forward to. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, it's quite the transformation for Okada. I mean, even just the way he's presented now, like he was literally kicking Ren while he was down after the match with Suzuki of all people standing up for Ren and, and criticizing Okada's bullying tactics. So uh, we had a big post-match angle here with Shota Umino coming out to challenge. He said that Moxley's coming back to join him and an as-of-yet unknown partner to potentially challenge for these belts at Dominion. And Okada said, fuck you, to Shota. Oh. So... <laughs> Uh, we were all enjoying this uh, this heelish side to Okada where he's punking out all the youngsters and using foul language. And and let's be fair, speaking a lot of truth, you know, calling Mox Shota's babysitter, it sets up a lot of interesting possibilities for Dominion. Uh, we also got a nice happy moment at the end with Ishii agreeing to shake Tanahashi's hand. So although oh. he didn't pose backstage with the titles, it looks like Ishii is satisfied with being part of this team, for now at least. Um, so Demi, what did you think of all the post-match stuff with Shota and Mox and Okada? Yeah, um, I mean, it's I'll, I'll take it. I think it for you know there. Are, I know there are people that you know are kind of down on uh, Mox in the sense of you know he fly him in for shows and you know you, you know you're going to get a lot of brawling and may not be for them whatever. Uh, me, I think it's fantastic. I I, I <laughs> like. That's the the never six man titles are very interesting right now. Very interesting. It's uh, uh yeah. I mean, I know people also kind of want the idea of 
you know, him not being in the shadow of Moxley, right? Um, kind of be his own man, that kind of thing, and riding coattails or whatever the case may be. Uh, I don't know. I, I like them together. I'm sorry. I think they okay, were. I was going to say, like, would you like to see Mox turn on Shota and beat him up and tear the jacket in half and shove it up Shota's ass and say, fuck you. I mean, maybe they have not, not for nothing. That's a great idea. The door match. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not a bad idea. I mean, you're, you're, you're accomplishing lots of things in one swoop. You're kind of separating him from Moxley. Uh, well, not kind of, you are separating from Moxley. Yeah. You're now on a big program where people are going to be talking. Uh, I mean, and you get to work with work with Moxley now. Get a, another uh, side of you that maybe people haven't seen. That I always talk about how guys need sandpaper, right? To kind of round out who they are. They gotta they gotta be a guy that's willing to kick some fucking ass. Uh, because there'd be that he, symmetry there, wouldn't they? Like, uh, it, it was Dominion 2019 where we had Mox against Shota in just like a random undercard match where this whole thing yeah. started. So, I think it would be very fitting for something to happen between the two of them there. And I think, you know, some sort of match where basically, not at Dominion, but in the future where Mox can just basically beat the snot out of Shota and bloody him up and just, yeah, give him that, those rough edges as you talk about. I think so. I mean, I mean, that's if you're going to do it, that's the way to do it. I mean, how many times have we given them scenarios that they that they didn't take? But but now for nothing, how many times have we given them scenarios and they did take? <laughs> for, a, for a tiny slice of clout, right? <laughs> a tiny slice of clout. Ah, oh, the internet clout, so delicious. Um, yeah. I think it's a I think it's a perfect idea actually, and uh, I I hope they do I hope they do it because it because it will accomplish plenty of goals. Mike says, "Am I crazy for thinking with all the dislike from Ishii about tagging with Tanahashi and the mock Shota stuff that we could see Ishii turn and form an offshoot Blackpool Combat Club Japan with Shota and the others?" I, I don't see that happening. I think the Ishii stuff was just a little bit of flavor to sort of go into the match. I, I think that's squash for now. Although, um, you know, stranger things have happened. Uh, Multiverse says, who do you think will be Mox and Shota's partner at Dominion? If we go off the resurgence card, it could be Utah. But can we dare to dream that they will bring in Danielson for the second biggest show of the year? We, that would be very cool if the mystery partner was Brian Danielson and then Danielson was says, I'm going to enter the G1. Rah. But, oh, um, that would just, that, that's pure fantasy book. And I think there's a very, very low chance of that happening. And I think that would detract from what they could achieve with this potential Moxley show to angle, which again, that that's fantasy booking level one. Uh, Danielson would be like fantasy booking level 10 and yeah, not, not ready to do that to myself right now. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be a wild. That's for sure. And, and again, just the idea of him in G1 would be a little bit mind blowing, actually it's exciting and fun. Um, and I think, if you're looking for some buzz for G1, that's that would certainly help. But you're right. I think gets a. I think we're at level ten at this point with the fantasy booking. Okay. Eighth match, the semi-main event was the never open weight championship match with the challenger David Finley defeating the champion Tamatonga in 25 minutes with his finishing move that he's now calling into oblivion. So David Finlay becomes 
the new never open weight champion. So this uh, this wasn't a stars match. It was a, a beatdown. It was a, an emphatic and brutal finish. I mean, that's what's going to stick in the memory where Finlay repeatedly had Tamatonga beaten but kept the match going just to establish his his dominance over him. And I think it did really help to set up that vicious side of Finlay and kind of reminded me of that Brock Lesnar versus John Cena match from, I think it was SummerSlam all those years ago. And we've uh, we've heard rumours that Tama's working without a contract, which isn't shocking or unusual in and of itself. But when paired with the outcome of this match, there's a, a non-zero chance that this was a write-off for Tama. So full marks for the result here, where Finlay is uh, not only the new Never champion, but also you know, beat the snot out of Tama. They took a while to get there. I think they could have shaved a good five or ten minutes off of this and not suffered as a result. But either way, it's a very strong statement of intent from uh, David Finlay and his new role. And and I think clearly distinguishes him from previous Bullet Club leaders, particularly Jay White. And, and I say again, look past the long hair and the beard and the black leather. This is not the same character. So people who are pointing out similarities between the two, to me, is pretty reductive. Like David Finlay is not being presented as that crafty, cowardly manipulator who outsmarts his opponents. He is, in his own words, a, a vicious killer who's, you know, he's not just going to beat you, he's going to hurt you again and again and again until you can't get up. And and projecting that strong heel character whilst also wrestling clean without any cheating or interference is, I think, something worth celebrating considering how others have been presented in similar spots in New Japan over the last few years. So I really love the presentation and, and I've seen enough from... David Finlay in ring, particularly last year, to tell me he can hang with the top guys in the company. I think his promos are outstanding. The only thing I think he's really lacking is the body. Like, if he was as jacked as Jay White is, then I think the discourse would be very, very different. And and I know some people still have doubts about his ability to have those tippy-top matches, you know, your match of the year candidates. I thought his matches with Juice and Osprey last year were outstanding. And I think he can push on and, and do even better this year as he's given bigger spots and, and more high-profile matches against better opponents. And, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be wrestling at the peak level of prime Okada or Kenny or Shingo or, or Osprey, but, you know, as you spoke about in the past, I think we've been spoiled by that level of talent to the point at which an excellent match, you know, for the sake of argument, let's say a four-and-a-quarter or four-and-a-half-star match might actually seem underwhelming to some people because it's not on right. the level of the the apex of the 2017-2019 boom period where the company just seemed to be churning out all-time classics every other month. So I think also part of this is recalibrating our expectations and, and appreciating how good we had it then. Yeah, uh, and, and again, the idea of change when it comes to pro, wrestler, pro wrestling fans, especially people who parachute in, um, it, you know, I hate to do it, but the the analogy I give is, you know, like fucking Doctor Who. You know, every every time there's a new doctor, ugh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Every time there's a new doctor, people get all up in arms. Like, oh, how can it be a woman? How? Oh, how can it be that guy? Oh, how can it be? Blah? Oh, this guy stinks. He's not David Tennant. Oh, this guy stinks. He's not, you know, Matt Smith. Oh, James this guy. We knew James Bonds as well every time there's a new. Absolutely, in. yeah. Uh, and and they all have their own different spin on what the doctor should be. Um, and that's kind of not kind of, but the, isn't that what makes that show so incredibly special to a lot of people? Is the fact that. They do do this. They do 
uh, have this thing where when the doctor is regenerated, it's fucking, you know, it could be anything. That's kind of the excitement of it. And then how that character interacts and blah, blah, blah. Like that's, I mean, that that's what makes that special. And I think that's, that's what we have here. I really do. I really feel like that's what we have here. Um, and I think just people just need to settle into it and they'll, they'll be fine. Uh, I know change is hard for a lot of people, but yeah, I think, I, I think this is exactly what it is. People are just, just uncomfortable with change. Um, and I'm not the saying monthlies, as uh, Jay Michael calls them the monthlies, the people that sort of pop in once a month. To... Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The monthlies. Um, and you can tell, you can tell the people who are, and I'm not knocking those people. I'm not saying they're not real fans. I'm not saying whatever, you know, how you, you know, what you do in your 24 hours, I'm not going to judge. But, but my point is, is that know that you're missing a lot in, you know, if you're parachuting in just for big shows, you, you, I think you're missing a lot. Um, the, the subtleties of what makes this character tick. So, um, I did see the tweet. Did you see the tweet from Tamatanga? The little I love Japan thing and emojis no, and I missed yeah. that. Did it yeah, look like a goodbye? It felt like it to me. It felt like it to me. Um, and again, that people can tweet anything they want, stir the pot, whatever the fuck, you know. But yeah, I mean it, that. I mean that's how I took it. Mm, I don't know any other way to take it. <laughs> it's pretty hot. I do know many ways to take it. Oh, I thought we were going to get some follow up there. You just left me hanging. Those <laughs> secrets of the. Uh... Licking people's anuses that we opened the show, that, that hot opener. Uh, yeah, following this match, uh, we had El Fantasmo making a, his big return with a, an interesting new look with a pink hair. He's looking very jacked as well. And mm. yeah, I think this is uh, illustrative of that point you've made where, you know, it seems like the booking of New Japan in the last two months has been exclusively to reward uh, lunatic fans like us who, who watch all this stuff and do all this fantasy booking and have been along for the ride of these guys like. Tama and, and Finlay and ELP as they have um, been sort of rising amongst the ranks. And yeah, now it makes completely sense. It makes complete sense to have ELP challenging David Finlay after everything that's happened. And yeah, really looking forward to having that match at uh, Dominion for the, the Never title. Um, you know, it does raise questions about ELP. Uh, we had a question from da, 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 where was it? Uh, Kid Kilowatt. What faction does El Fantasma end up in? What faction is the best right now? Which is the worst after the shakeup? I mean, he was pointing at the line mark on his short, so it does seem like he is a, a Hontai guy. He's joining the New Japan Army, and yeah, I mean that that's fine. I mean, I think he seems like a popular guy, and I guess that's the right place to for your sort of fan favorite baby faces because that's the way he's been trending. He's been getting great reactions from the kids and, and interacting with them all, all nicely like a, a baby face should. So yeah, I'm quite looking forward to this uh, Finlay ELP feud. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people are, and, and uh, dare I say this, this could be v- like great. <laughs> this could really be very, 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 very good. Uh, the, um, it's weird seeing ELP as as this lovable baby face, and it just it just seems so 
I don't know. Like, I'm just waiting for the turn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm just waiting for the, the, the pull the fucking rug out from everybody. Um, well, they're going to do a finger poke at Dominion. <laughs> you know, um, the, I, I find it to be very, very satisfying though, to see a lot of these guys that, you know, for, for a time you could, you could honestly say they were written off. Now, apparently there there you know there might be a opening <laughs> right with uh Tamatanga uh not necessarily filling his duties for that faction slides right in instant baby face and away you go it's it's like it's like heel rehabilitation uh that faction so um i think the match will be great spotlight match you know you're going to get 20 25 minutes I think this could be one of those matches that we'll be talking about for a little bit. Um, fingers crossed. Main event of Dontaku was the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match with Sanada getting in his first successful defense against the challenger Hiromu Takahashi, 27 minutes, 30 seconds via deadfall. So he retains his title. And yeah, I mean, this was cooking away to be a good little match until... Hiromu's drop kick, where he thought it was a good and cool idea to take a flat back bump on the concrete, and he completely no sold it afterwards. I thought he'd be like writhing around in agony, but he just popped back up with that sort of look on his face, like "Ah, oh, fuck, why did I do that?" But uh, just carried on with the match, and it was just—I found it really interesting the way Sanada was working because it felt like he was very distinctly working on the heel side of the spectrum and just putting a beating on Hiromu, basically. Who you know, the crowd were solidly behind Hiromu as the underdog junior challenger as expected and the drama built up really well with Hiromu managing to fight back to eke out a chance to hit all of his signature moves in an organic and believable way like all the criticism I've said about the layout of his junior title matches where he's just landing all his moves you know out of the blue didn't happen here it was like he had to sort of squeak them out and catch Sanada off guard to to land these moves Um, so I thought that was really really good it was very exciting to see the way he worked up from time bomb one to time point 1.5 and then finally time bomb two for the big near fall at the end of the match and i bet on that i was surprised that sanada kicked out of all three but i think it's good that he did because he is the heavyweight champion and yeah those are moves that will put away a junior but not the the heavy q champ so i thought they did a very good job balancing that issue we talked about last week of them booking themselves into a bit of a corner where i thought both gays Gays, <laughs> both guys came away from the match looking what? really strong. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I thought a very, very good main event. I enjoyed it a lot. What did you think of it? Um, huh. I, I mean, I thought it was good. Um, at no point did I think that, and I think this is the biggest problem. At no point did I think Haruma was winning. I really didn't, even with the near falls. I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Now, if they actually did it, I would I would throw this fucking match high in the sky. This thing would, would be amazing, just, just for the surprise alone. But, I mean, how could they do that? Why would they do that? They're not going to do that. Um, so that's that took a little bit of steam out of it for me. Uh, I... I don't know why, and again, we talked about it last week. I don't know why they would put Hiromo in this match. Like, what was the purpose of putting Hiromo in this match? Like, giving him this month of 
build and now we're going to do this? Is it just because he's LIJ? Is it just because eventually we're going to get to Naito challenging? Like, like I, I just felt like of all the people on the roster, especially, you know, especially the fact that, you know, he's going for, you know, this record, whether he gets it or not, it is part of his storyline. I don't know. I just felt like it was just like, what, what benefit? And here's the thing too. All right. So not, so now Sonata, his first fucking title defense is against a junior. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it doesn't make it like. Well, it's the same for evil him. back in 2020, wasn't it? There's a, that symmetry there. Yeah. I mean, I, but you know, I just, it, I just, I don't understand that. I don't get it. What, why would we put Hiromo in that spot? And again, why it doesn't make, it doesn't, who came out of this looking great? Well, okay. Here's what came out of it. <laughs> you know, a pretty decent angle, but okay. Was that, that, is that why we did this? I don't know. Like I said, I, I think anybody could have been put in that spot if they were there to lose. Um, you could have gone gone through anybody, and not for nothing, it could have been a heavyweight, and uh, I think the win would have been a and again air quotes stronger win. Well, I think part of it could also play into what happened after the match, where of course we got the big return for Yota Suji, who had, was the wrestler that had been teased with all these vignettes in recent weeks. Um, I thought he just looked fucking tremendous just the, the music the gear the fact that he was able to have that oversized hood without having to hold it up with one hand and the way when his name flashed up on the screen and there was that huge roar from the crowd and then he that that grin just sort of crept across his face and the way he just cleaned house and beat all the just five guys and that spear i've watched that about 12 times that was just tremendous he nearly took sonata out of his boots and then the fist bump sort of teasing that lij uh, alliance there and then him coming backstage when Hiromu's doing his um, sort of loser's promo and he just grabs the camera, points at his face, picks up Hiromu, walks off. So I think, you know, there was that connection. Now, first of all, the symmetry of you know Hiromu being the guy who challenged Evil after Evil turned on LIJ, him being Evil's first challenger. So it made sense that he'd be Sonata's first challenger and then Suji being there. There was like a little thing between them um, before Suji went off on excursion where Hiromu said that Suji was his spokesperson or, or something for those of you who have insane memories but uh yeah him just sort of picking up Hiromu walking off backstage and the English commentary <laughs> Kevin Kelly was saying what's he gonna do to Hiromu I can't remember if it's him or Chris that said it was like oh my god it put quite a sinister spin on it and what I took as just him sort of helping helping his senpai up to his feet and carrying him off to safety but um man just the the aura the presentation just the vibes I got from Suji gave me chills. And, you know, I've always been a big Yota Suji fan. I I think I was actually reviewing the shows for Voices of Wrestling when he made his Young Lion debut. So it's so satisfying to see a guy going from Young Lion with the shaved heads and the no knee pads to looking like, you know, I'm not going to say he's the, the next champion, but he very well could be. I mean, this guy's gone from nothing to dominion main event which is absolutely colossal i mean this this is a, a massive re-debut i can't think of any other young lines re debuting in recent history that have come close to the the aura that suji was projecting here 
Yeah, maybe Okada. <laughs> I mean, maybe. But yeah, it's yeah. That was a long time talk ago. About though. fucking getting the jetpack strapped on you. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's frightening and uh, a little bit anxious to see how he does and if if we can pull this off like there's no there, like we're going right into the deep end of the pool here um the good news is is that the angle itself was fantastic uh and he went in there and 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 destroyed everyone he came in contact with okay smart good um but now it's like wow we're we're going all in. We're going all in. And you're right. You know, it it would not surprise me if they went all in and said, "Okay. We're 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 starting hot." And 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 he gets a title. Um stranger things have happened. Stranger fucking things have happened. So yeah, we have ourselves we have ourselves a new player in the game. Um, and there is no, <laughs> there is no warm up period. There's no, we're going right for it. And here's the thing. I've said it all. I, I've said it a million times. The hardest thing is presenting a guy as a, at a certain level. And then hopefully he builds and builds and builds, you know, to get to a certain point. But if that build is too long, Boy, people, you know, get preconceived notions about a guy, and 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 now they're hand waving. Oh, this fucking guy! But that, but once again, to have the balls, to have the balls, to be able to say, okay, you're going to be, you know, we're putting you in in a very prime position, uh, right out of the gate. Like there is no mistake. They turned him into a star. At day one, back from his his excursion, he's in the spotlight. And you're right. You, I mean, is evil even in that comparative of bringing a guy back and just fucking, you know, rocket shipping him? I mean, they put him in LIJ, but like he wasn't. Like he's fucking main eventing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's main eventing. For the title, uh, they're going in, and I and I and once again, I think I I got I got to applaud the company for having the guts to do it once again. This man got the fucking balls. That's right, the fucking balls. Yeah, I mean, as you said, we, we're in the midst of a huge reshuffle in this company where we've got guys like Sanadam Finley. Hikaleo, Aussie Open, Kevin Knight, all holding titles, which was very fresh and exciting. And I'm not saying every single one of these guys being pushed is going to be a home run, but you have to applaud the company for, for you know, pushing the boat out and being adventurous with their booking, which, you know, has uh, erred on the side of caution over the last decade. So it's a really exciting time. And we've got a ton of questions about Suji. So Aaron says, uh, do you think Sonata beating Okada makes even more sense now that Suji is getting a shot at the title? Um, I feel that Sanada is the perfect guy to be a transitional champ in this scenario. Convince Suji beats him and takes over LIJ. So, yeah, I mean, there is that sort of bit of symmetry there. I keep saying symmetry, but uh, 
it was when Sanada made his uh, debut for the company at Invasion Attack, I want to say, where he interfered in the Okada-Naito match. So cost uh, Okada the title and help Naito to win it. But now it's Suji popping up to you know, potentially cause Sanada to lose the title as a, a new debuting member of LIJ. So there's that sort of little echo of the past there, which I thought was very cool. Um, definite one. So Suji looked like a million bucks and seemed like an absolute force, decimating all of just five guys. What do you think is the likelihood that Geno gives him the Okada treatment and straps him with a world title in his first program back from excursion? Clem Fandango says, does Naito remain LIJ leader or is Suji poised to take over? I, I mean, I think that's the long-term play. I mean, I'm not saying that Naito is on his way out of the company or retirement or anything like that. But if you had to pick someone to be the future LIJ leader after Naito hangs up his boots, then, you know, it'd be difficult to look past Suji just based on the way that he was presented here. Uh, uh, Flynn says, are you surprised Yota Suji got such a big return from excursion angle compared to the other young lines in recent years? I always thought Shota and Ren were the golden boys in New Japan's eyes. Suji just felt totally natural and comfortable in his role, though, and had a level of intensity above the other graduates. What a hunk as well. If they get Yuya back as well, this injection of new talent will make this the most exciting G1 for years. And and I think that's worth discussing, just the way his re-debut matches up against Ren and Shota. And what do you think... What do you think is the cause of that? Do you think it's that he's older than them and they've got less time? Or do you think they've just seen something in Suji either during the excursion or towards the end of the excursion that they think Ren and Shota don't have? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, I think it's... If, if they felt that any other guy could fill that role, um, I think they would have done it, right? They, I think they handpicked him to 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 be that guy now for whatever reason it could be that he takes flat back bumps better than anybody uh the fact that he fucking gets you know uh take out burger king every time and and feeds every you know he brings donuts to the fight who knows but yes he look we sit here now we don't know how this match is going to turn out Right. We don't know. I mean, it could be a five minute squash and Sonata just fucking walks out and pisses all over everybody. Um, or <laughs> or uh, it could go the other way where we have a we we're we're rocking the world with with, you know, a new world champion. Um, that's what's exciting is that we don't know. Right. We don't know. Um and if if they they do pull the fucking string and make it happen, it's exciting. It's fun uh, to have the idea of a new star. To answer your question, I I, you know, I don't know why they chose him over any size. Maybe, maybe. Um, I don't know. But here's the thing: just because he got this shot right now, that doesn't mean. That the others are are eventually going to be at that same level, like I mean, know in your hearts and in your minds and in your soul uh, that those are those are the people that are going to carry this company into the future, 
Those are the people that are going to be at the top of the cards at Tokyo Domes and G1s and everything else. Dominions and you name it, right? Make no mistake about it. Now, again, it feels like this is a a rocket that's strapped to him. And it's fine because I feel the same way too. But know that I every one of those guys that you had mentioned, they're they're going to be in that same level eventually, um, unless again injuries or uh, you know maybe maybe a guy there doesn't work out right. Maybe a guy just fucking just can't make it to the next level. Who knows? But I think I think penciled in the notebook in uh, for Wrestle Kingdom in like two or three years. Pfft, you're gonna see. You're gonna see those names at the top. So we've got questions here about the future of Sanada as champion. So braces, do you think we can get to Wrestle Kingdom with Sanada as champion? Seems impossible, but I think with challenges like Hiromu, Shingo, Naito, Tanahashi, Osprey, we could get a rematch with Okada. Maybe Sanada even beats Okada to solidify top guy status. Daryl says, are we underwhelmed that Sanada is probably the IWGP champ going into Forbidden Door? How long do you think that he holds on to it past the G1? Troy says, with LIJ, just five guys seemingly to continue throughout the year. Thoughts on potential Sanada Naito Wrestle Kingdom main event? I think this would draw, to be honest. First Naito Wrestle Kingdom main in two years. Sanada obviously hot, but does New Japan have the balls to do it? Um, I, I just, I don't know. I know there's a lot of new things going on in New Japan and they're not booking the way that they used to, but I think I would still be quite surprised to see Sanada going into a Tokyo Dome main event and you know, still holding the belt at that time, I do think he's going to lose it at some point. Maybe at the King of Pro Wrestling event, and and I think they might sort of go back to booking their quote unquote big stars for you know, their biggest show of the year. So that would be my my safe prediction. In terms of Forbidden Door, I mean, there was some interesting chat on Voices of Wrestling flagship about this being a smart move to keep you know, big stars like Okada away from the, the heavyweight title. So that's not an obstacle when it comes to booking into promotional right. matches. So, Correct. you know, you can, you can give Sanada a, you know, if you want to do a crossover match, someone on the AEW roster that he can beat, like, I don't know, Adam Cole, or maybe even Jay White. I think Sanada versus Jay White would be a pretty cool match for Forbidden Door. Um, but yeah, that would free up guys like Okada and Naito to maybe do something different without having to worry about the politics of them holding titles and not wanting to lose. Um, this, I think, just makes everything a bit easier. But uh, yeah, I, again, my prediction would be, I don't know, I it's really tough to even just look past Dominion because I think there's a, a non-zero chance of Suji winning. But um, yeah, I, I would not say Sonata to walk into Wrestle Kingdom as champion. Yeah, I, I I would doubt it. I, I you know it's that's a long time. It's only May. You know we got we got we got a little ways to go here. And again, we haven't even hit G one yet. So um, it's it seems like a seems like a long time for him to hold. I could be dead wrong, but it just you know I would think that they, they would move it at some point. Um, you know, you mentioned Forbidden Door, and I think that you're exactly right. And and whoever mentioned it on uh, Voices of Wrestling flagship show um and we've said it before in the sense of yeah i mean when you hold a title going into these shows it does make it you know you're not going to get the dreamiest of dream matches because again there are people that have to be protected no doubt um so 
yeah, having them with the never titles kind of takes them out of the loop. And then, and then you can have maybe a little bit more flexibility when it comes to um, some dream matches, but without titles at stake. Uh, but also, I mean, we still haven't even gotten to the fact that we expect, I would think, uh, some New Japan involvement at this Wembley show. Um, I, you know, possibly, maybe. So um, there's also that to look forward to. So uh, fingers crossed. Uh, did you get your tickets, by the way? Yes, I did. Uh, Editor Dan was put in charge of buying the tickets. And then for the morning the tickets went on sale, everyone from my SmartCast group was messaging him saying, Dan, how are we doing with the tickets? Did you get the tickets? Did you get the tickets? And he was just not responding at all. So we're oh, like, oh, oh, fuck, he's overslept. He's missed it completely. <laughs> and it turns out he was asleep, but he had very cleverly oh, no. delegated the ticket buying responsibility to his missus, who uh, ah. had managed to buy us all tickets. So, yes, we have our tickets uh, in a lovely spot for Wembley Stadium. So very much looking forward to the big uh, MJF versus Adam Cole main event there. My, my two <laughs> favorite guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, Blur's sure playing there. Blur, Blur's playing there. The Rev Pro show. You know, they, they're doing a Rev Pro show the, the night before, and Osprey's been bigging that up. So I think um, Rev Pro are going to be pulling out all the stops. That could be like the biggest Rev Pro show ever, yeah. potentially, with you know that huge Wembley audience being around. They've definitely got potential to draw a big gate there and you know get some New Japan talent involved in that. So, yeah, I think I'd, I'd be watching that one with great interest yeah they're not going to be at the cockpit are they (laughs) they're going to be a little bit of a bigger venue right okay uh this is a bit of an old question but still applies here multiverse aces both sonata and aussie opens victories were emotionally satisfying moments so this is talking about when they won the titles uh, executed at the right time a complete 180 to the cody wrestlemania debacle was there a time when new japan had all the stars aligned to make a new start and failed to do so. So can you think of any examples where they've completely dropped the ball uh, on making a, a new star when the timing was right? Um, I mean, I don't know if you, if it's like, it didn't make him a star. Well, it kind of did actually when they brought in Vader, um, but they were hyping up Anoki and Ricky Choshu. Um, and, you know, they debuted Vader because, you know, people, people once again felt they were bigger than life and didn't necessarily want to lose or whatever. Uh, and the idea of changing it and screwing over everybody who paid a ticket to see that match, uh, that, that might be a, uh, I mean, they, they fucking almost burnt down the building for Christ's sake. Um, but it doesn't necessarily fit the, the criteria of the question because Vader was, a big star for new Japan for a while. Um, I'm trying to think of like the biggest push, like the biggest uh, idea. You know, the one thing that comes to mind is when Jericho um, debuted as like, I forget what they called them, but fucking like evil Liger or some shit, or I don't know. That was, <laughs> that was pretty awful. Um, Let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. I mean, listen, they've had a lot of fucking guys that have rolled through New Japan, and I don't know necessarily that they were going to make them stars, but like, you know, Diesel doing Oz, the Oz gimmick was pretty 
fucking awful. Bill Kazmaier as well being brought in. Uh, who else? Like, what else would be, like, just things that just never fucking got off the ground? Um, yeah, I guess, I guess that could be where it begins and ends. Uh, it, you know. I'm thinking star. I think I'm like a guy that they were just pushing down your throat and like they just didn't uh, connect. I'm thinking the opposite. I'm thinking of an example where it was seemed like the perfect moment to launch a guy into the stratosphere, but they didn't do it. So you know something oh. like uh, the Wrestle Kingdom 12 main event where everyone was expecting yes. Naito to win, but I can't yeah. say that as an example because I think they actually executed it perfectly and having him win at Wrestle Kingdom 14 two years later. So I can't think of any examples in, in recent history anyway where they've completely dropped the ball in failing to make a new star who had all the ingredients there. Yeah, but the Naito thing was—I mean, they could have. He could have dropped it the next night, and nobody would have. Well, I can't say nobody would have cared, but you know, like to have that, mo- like that was. I felt like that was one of those moments of, ooh, that was getting it while the fire's hot, um, and not and not going through with it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, in hindsight, would we have Okada and Kenny in those matches if if they did do that? Um, I don't know. So. Yeah, I mean, it could have been just like a you know a quickie, a quick shot with the with the belt, and that's that. But yeah, that that's I got to be honest with you, that's the one that sticks out for me, just because I was there and and I heard the crowd and I and then everyone around us just thought that was it and that wasn't it. So looking ahead to Dominion, uh, we have four official matches. So we got for the World Heavyweight Title, Sanada defending against Yotosuji. We've got the Never title, Finlay defending against ELP. We've got the heavyweight tag titles, Aussie Open against Bishamon against House of Torture. We've got the TV title rematch with Zach against Jeff Cobb. And we're also likely looking at a Mox, Shota, and X against Okada Tanahashi and Ishii. Osprey versus Lance Archer. I'm assuming it's going to be Osprey winning because I, I think Tanahashi is going to be involved in that six-man defense. Uh, Osprey versus Archer for the US title number one contendership. So winner of that going on to face Kenny at Forbidden Door. Probably going to get Hiromu defending against the best of the Super Juniors winner. We might even get the junior tag titles there, maybe even KOPW. So Dominion shaping up to be quite a beast of a show, Damon. Yeah, yeah. Right now it's looking pretty good. And and a lot of things haven't even been finalized yet, but even the shit that is you know, in the books and ready to go, looks like a pretty good, you know, it looks like a show on paper at least uh, that you, you shouldn't be missing. That's for sure. Right, before we wrap up today, let's have a look at the best of the Super Juniors schedules and preview some of the upcoming matches. William says, what do you think about the participants and best of the Super Juniors this year? And Dogfinger says, what do you think of the slightly amended format? Kind of sucks a bit of the drama of the block final. So this year, the change will be that the top two wrestlers from each block will go through to face uh, each other in semifinals. So the Number one in block A will face number two in block B, and number one in block B will face number two in block A. The winners will go on to face each other in the final. And, I mean, in terms of the participants, I think it's a a great lineup. I think it speaks volumes about how well New Japan have done to strengthen the depth of their junior division because they haven't had to dip into the well for guests that much. They've got, you know, the 18 P, the the two surprises for me were Mike Bailey and 
Dan Maloney to, to some extent. Tiny slice of clout, notwithstanding. Uh, the, yeah, uh, thank you but, very uh, much. Thank you. It wasn't surprising to us because we fucking told you. <laughs> but uh, I mean, the other eighteen guys were were easy because they are guys that have been heavily involved in the junior division. So I think it yeah it shows they've got a really deep junior roster at the moment, which is a, a big strength. And I like the, the lineup, and I actually like having the semi-finals because it makes it harder to pick. Like when it's just the top two going through, you can easily just glance at the matchups on the the final block night and then it's easy oh it's going to be this guy and this guy facing off and everyone else is, is going to be a dead rubber but now you know that two people are going through from each block then right. it's a lot harder to call so i mean i'm looking at the the timetable the, the schedules now for the the final block nights so these are both in osaka so a block there's again in no particular order kushida against taguchi hiromu against titan doki against show Leo Rush against Mike Bailey, TJP against Ishimori. And I, I find that really difficult to call. I think Hiromu will probably be going through. I imagine he'll be in the top two. But then your other guy to go through could be Kishida, could be Leo Rush, could be Ishimori. Um, it's really difficult to tell. And I like the fact that it's unpredictable. So uh, the same for the B block. So we've got, uh, again, no, no order here. Bushi against Akira. Despi against Robbie Eagles. Now that's the one that you, you're circling and thinking yeah. that is the winner of that's going to be going through for sure. But then the others we've got Watto against Kevin Knight, Yo versus Kanemaru, Dan Maloney against Clark Connors. Um Bushi Akira, I mean, I don't think either of those guys are going through to the final. Um although Akira, I mean, it wouldn't stun me. Watto, he was my my pick earlier in the year. So Watto against Kevin Knight, that could be significant. Yo's a previous finalist. He was challenging quite recently, so he could very well go through. Clark Connors, you know, he might be getting the rocket strapped to him as the new Bullet Club guy. So for me, having the new stipulation with the top two guys going through from each block makes it a lot harder to call, a lot more unpredictable. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And I can see people just fighting it out to make that spot. Um, and it does. It Here's what it does. It adds an extra layer of you giving a fuck. Right. Because, you know, you can kind of see that you just like you said, you see the handwriting on the wall with, you know, two guys going into it. But now you have semi, you know, one and two. It's, it's that makes things very interesting. And that last night, that that Mike Bailey, Leo Rush match. I mean, uh, uh, let, let's put it this way. I just hope that there's something on the line with that match. I mean, I because I think the match would be great. I don't care, you know, if they just had the match. But if there's some fucking stakes behind it, that could be fucking amazing. Uh, then add to that Robbie Eagles and El Desperado. You would think that would have some stakes as well, you know? Um, so it does. It absolutely does make it a thousand percent more interesting um, having that semifinal. It's, it's you know, uh, not to throw a uh, American sports analogy at you, but you know, this is, you know, the idea of, you know, a wild card in baseball, you know, getting in the playoffs and, you know, having that short series to, 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 to get into the meat of the, of the playoffs. Um, it's good. I, 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 I'm, I'm a fan of it. I'm i I'm really a fan of it. And I would not be surprised if they incorporate that in G1. I mean, they kind of do already, but, um, Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it's standard round robin stuff. I mean, like in the Champions League group stage and the, the the World Cup or European Championships, you'd have the top two going through. So 
again, it adds more of that sort of authentic sports feel to it. Um, a friend of the show, Jay Michael, has put his uh, booking thoughts thread where he's done the calculations and given each wrestler a score based on how high up they're booked, you know, main events, semi-main events, just card placement. And of course, this is um, notwithstanding the block finals where we don't have an order for that. But in terms of the shows that we do have match orders for, the top ranking wrestler in terms of card placement is El Desperado with 8.5. Hiromu second at 8.25. Third is Yo, 7.25. Fourth is Watto at 7. Fifth is Ishimori, 6.75. And Leo Rush also joint on fifth, 6.75. Mike Bailey, 6.25 and seventh. Uh, eight is Akira with six. Kashida's ninth, 5.5. I think, you know, that's sort of getting into the weeds a bit, but I don't think it would stun anyone to see Despi going through from his block and Hiromu going through. So Despi's B block and Hiromu's A block. I don't, you know, that's not exactly a, a hot take to say them two will be going through. But then from the B block, Yo and Watto, that's pretty difficult to call between those two. And then is Leo Rush in the same? I'm confused. I can't even remember what the blocks are. Uh, which block is Leo Rush in? He's in, no, he's in, he's in he's A block. In the same block. So, yeah, uh, he's in A block. So, I'm basically my question to you, David, would be which two wrestlers do you think are going to go through from each block? So, I think from A block, Hiromu and yeah, Ishimori and Rush. That's a coin coin flip for me. I'm going to say Leo Rush just because that's. I think it would be more exciting than Ishimori. I would like to see Ishimori just sort of take a bit of a backseat. Although Hiromu has talked about how he wants to beat Ishimori because he was the champion. He didn't get pinned at Wrestle Kingdom. So that's really hard. I'm going to go Rush over Ishimori. And then B Block, El Desperado, and Yo and Watto. That's a coin flip for me as well. Watto. I'm going to go with Watto Mania. So I would say Hiromu... And Leo Rush from A Block and Despi and Watto from B Block. I'm in full agreement, except I can't. I don't know why, and that could be so off base. Wouldn't be the fucking first time. Think? Do you think Robbie Eagles gets the win over Despi? That catapults him in. No, I think no. I think they want to do Hiromu Despi in front of a cheering crowd because they've not done that. And I think that will be your dominion match. I think it's going to be, I I think goal. Arsenal have scored. Wow. Great goal. Wow. I was not expecting that. Um, Yeah. So I think it's going to be Hiromu defending against best of super juniors winner Despi. I think Despi is going to win best of the super juniors. Uh, In terms of the final, I think it will be Despi, against uh, go ahead say oh it Watto mm, mm, mm. wait no is that wow. possible they're in the same block aren't they they're in the same block that no it's still possible that, that could still happen but uh, uh yeah uh, this is very difficult this is very difficult okay uh no I'm, I'm gonna, uh, I think I said before uh Despi Leo Rush final thank um, you Yes, that's me to win. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm on board with that because that's what I was leaning toward anyway. But uh, yeah, I was I was kind of leaning a little bit with Robbie, but um, he'll let us down again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
Okay, here's a question. Andrew says, uh, Thogoths, particularly Damon's, on Hiromu Kishida happening for the first time in six years as the semi-main event to Master Wato Robbie Eagles in the small city of Morioka. So Morioka happens mm. to be where Dick Togo lives if you want to blame him for old time's sake. So that is a shock. I thought Hiromu Kishida would be the main event from one of the bigger shows, but it's almost sort of hidden away on a, a nothing show on the tour. That is a, a shock to me. Yeah, that doesn't mean it can't be great, but yeah, it does. It, you would think you would think they would save that for a, something a little bit more special. Um, yeah, I mean it. It does feel underwhelming, but again, there. I don't know. I here's the thing. I, I think it's, it'll still be great, but um, yeah, it does that 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 is an odd choice to say the least, um, placing it there. So I don't know. I got I got a shoulder shrug that one. So depending on when we next record Damon, there will be three best of the super junior shows happening. So, uh, we mm-hmm. kick off this Friday in Corakman hall. So we're opening with Kevin Knight against Clark Connors, Toguchi against Ishimori, Bushi versus Dan Maloney, Kushida against Doki, Wato against Akira, Leo Rush against Sho, Yo against Robbie Eagles, Titan against TJP, and our co-main event will be Despi versus Kanemaru, which will be a very delicious match. And main event, Hiromu against Mike Bailey as our main event. Do you think this is a, a spot for wow. Mike Bailey to get a shock win in his uh, New Japan Japan debut? Yeah, I mean, look, you you always know that in these tournaments, you always have a guy who... Or, or a handful of guys that, you know, kind of shoot out of the gate and then they stumble toward the end. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, just, just to, just to, and, and, and especially night one, you're trying to, you're trying to wake people up to it. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I think, uh, I think that's a, I think that's a really solid play. Like if there was a if there was a a fucking online book to place a bet, I'm sure Bailey would go into it as an underdog, and but that might be good money. I won't be surprised, Joel. I think that would set up a possible title defense for Hiromu on Impact, maybe when they do that uh, the next crossover show. Speaking of no one seeing uh, a show. Well, if we're trying to stack up Hiromi, uh, soft Hiromi defenses, there's one. Uh, that's uh, very few people will see. Uh, and then huh. Saturday in Nagano, we're opening with Kushida against TJP, which is one I was really looking forward to based on their interactions in the junior tag match. So I'm a bit surprised this is opening the show, but hopefully they got lots of time. Uh, Kanemaru against Dan Maloney, Taguchi against Leo Rush, Robbie Eagles against Clark Connors. That will be a good one, I think. Show versus Mike Bailey, yeah, Kevin Knight against Akira. That one will be very, very good. Uh, Titan against Ishimori, Despi against Bushi. And our top two for Saturday will be Hiromu against Doki, which will be a crazy match. They've got tremendous chemistry. That one's going to be really good. And Yo versus Master Watto. So, yeah, that's you know my coin flip between who's going to go through in that block. So I think that one will tell us a lot about how the block's going to play out. So Yo versus Watto, uh, a sneakily significant match, I think, which you know other people might overlook. But I'm telling you, that's one to circle in your calendar that will um, maybe tip tip the hat one way or the other, and who could be the runner up in this block. 
I think this 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 best of the Super Juniors is legit. One of the more exciting ones, and not even in a long time. But like, and that's not to knock other ones. But like this this I am I am ready to go for this one. Like I, every night, every night, you know you're going to get something pretty great. Uh yeah this this is this is up there at, at least on paper. This is up there as one of one of the best ones. And and here's the thing. I don't think it there's enough buzz for it. I don't think there there's enough hype for it. I don't think people are doing a good job of looking at that lineup and getting excited cuz I'm telling you every fucking night you're going to have a gem. Every fucking night. Just just looking like 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 even if they win at 50%, you know, it would still be pretty good. There's some, there's going to be, this is going to be sneaky good. And I think, I don't know. I think, I think people are going to be talking about some of these matches for a long time. I really do. And we may record before this one, but I just want to just quickly talk about the Aichi show. This will be Sunday, May 14th in the Nagoya Congress Center event hall where we'll have Kevin Knight against Kanemaru. Taguchi versus Show in a rematch of the uh, brilliant banana match that they had in last year's Best of the Super Juniors. So we'll definitely be looking forward to that one. Uh, Bushi against Clark Connors. Doki against Ishimori. Robbie Eagles against Francesco Akira. Very excited for that one. That is going to be yeah. 100 miles an hour. That will be spectacular, I think. Uh, Kushida against Titan. Uh, yes, yeah, sneakily interesting, that one. You know, two pros that one's going to be really good uh yo against dan maloney tjp against mike bailey and then our top two despi against watto which really looking forward to that i've really enjoyed the chemistry they had together in their incredible tag match towards the end of last year we're gonna score again oh no he saved it uh and main yeah. event leo rush against hiromu in a rematch from the uh the great junior title match they had uh, a couple of months ago was it a couple of months ago or last month and that was difficult to pick as well because I'd like to think that Leo might get a win there and you know maybe set up a future challenge possibly in the states. But uh, yeah, so much unpredictability there. And you know I've just reeled off a few matches from the first three nights, and there's so much to sink your teeth into there. So um, can't wait. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It really is. It really is going to be awesome. And you know that the, and that means. You, this is the time of year Taguchi wakes out of his fucking hibernation and decides to, you know, do some shit. So you, mean, well, you might get some something good out of him too. Ah, look, up and down. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to find the duds. I really am. I'm, I'm struggling to find the duds. We have a question here from none other than the great Gideon Gray. Who says, how excited are you Who? to watch Watto eat a driller? <laughs> we love you, Gideon. A driller. Big, big fan of the show. Um, so, Driller. Yeah, Dan, Dan Maloney. That's his, his yeah. Dan, Driller Dan Maloney. That's his move Finish. as well, the Driller. So, right. um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to seeing Dan Maloney. I hear great things. I've not seen a huge amount of him apart from the odd RevPro match, but from people I know, like, you know, my good friend Sipsy, who follows the scene a lot, he's very, very excited to see Dan Maloney and Best of the Super Juniors. So I'm sure he's going to do you proud, Lord Gideon, and uh, we're going to see good stuff from Dan Maloney. Um, let's finish off the show with Antonio's question. Are you ready? Oh, oh, oh I, I, I mean, what a joy. This is like getting a, a delicious dessert at the end of a meal. Let's do it. 
<laughs> and this is his question. So my question is this something you guys touched last, which was NJPW with the fact they are not doing well financially to point they have to cut costs and the fat stuff to not enter bankruptcy and people moving to Noah other promotions because of how the product's been recently. So do guys think Bushiroad will sell NJPW because of those issues like how Sinclair sold ROH to Tony Khan to how you guys think they will sell and how they will fix those financial issues? What's your thoughts on the my question and if Bushiroad should NJPW sell or not thoughts? What a dummy. <laughs> Sorry. Um, um, Japan on the verge of bankruptcy, going to be sold. Uh, who's buying them? How long have yeah. New Japan got left before they go into complete insolvency? And and there's a, a flash that say, oh, we're through again. Come on. Come on. Oh, he's Put it in. Oh, we've had two really good chances there. Um, yeah, I didn't know New yeah. Japan were about to go bankrupt. That's... Oh, yeah, might have to, the, the podcast might be coming to an end. Maybe the super <laughs> we'll to, cast after a super agent buys up the company. Uh, let me be very clear, and uh, in no way, shape, or form have uh, there's have there been any indicators, financial or otherwise, that New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to be bankrupt. In fact, uh, they are uh, solid as a rock, dare I say. Uh, I will say that they, yes, there are uh, plans, and those plans have been um, in motion for quite a few months of cost saving, which is a big difference. Uh, between cost savings and financial peril. Um, so to be clear, no bankruptcy. No one's selling it. No one's selling New Japan. No one is... Uh, it, is not on the, it is not on the market. There, But yes, to say that there are cost-cutting measures in place, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, bankruptcy? No, we're not even close to that. So uh, rest assured, you're you're fine when it comes to the uh, financial situation of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And also the Super J cast uh, squeaks by by the skin of its yes. teeth, lives another week. <laughs> uh, that will do it for today. Um, yeah, let's wrap it up before Arsenal go through their inevitable collapse. Um, so as we're recording and ending the show here, it's currently Newcastle Mill Arsenal 1. So let's end it on a high there. Redcircle.com forward slash show super dash J dash cast if you want to give some money for the uh, the legal proceedings I mentioned earlier in the show. A Discord link you can get by sending me a direct message on Twitter. There will be a, a fun competition on our Discord for uh Best of the Super Juniors, where there's going to be some hilarious booby prize for whoever <laughs> gets the worst score in there. So you can look forward to that at Cobra Kawaii and ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash SuperJCast for our t shirts. Big thanks to Editor Dan, who's on Twitter at LousyHero219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. Give us a five stake review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at the SuperJCast. Thank you everyone for listening and goodbye. 
Hola, hola, my name is Ricardo. I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí.